0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hope your Christmas was uh, peaceful. Um, yeah. A little confession at the start here. It's been a little discouraging, just this wave of COVID uh numbers that's hitting Rhode island New York is getting slammed um, I just confess it's been it's been hard to plan you know I just wanted to all right let's, let's get back into this thing let's do this thing. I remember early in the in the pandemic or maybe a few months a few months in uh 2020. I was watching an all-sons-and-daughters video of just a packed room of maybe, I don't know, 150 people just worshiping and just crowded, crushed into each other, and just the presence of God seemed so incredible and so strong, and I just, like, lost it. I just lost it. I said, God, we, we need this. You know we need this, so it's it's been hard. You know because we, you know we kind of pull down and okay we isolate and then then things start to get back to okay we're, we're getting back to normal. Nope, we're not, <laughs> and we kind of go back into uh, some some isolation and, and sickness and I, I just can't believe how many people have gotten COVID in in recent days. Thankfully, it hasn't been. As uh, devastating and people haven't been hospitalized as much and that's that's good thing but uh, it's just yeah it's hard to to plan Um, I just have so many ideas so many things I want to do that uh, involve really connecting people and bringing us together I think everyone's so hungry and craving that so I guess all that to say just to be, I guess, vulnerable and just say, I'm, I'm discouraged as a pastor, just trying to navigate this and, and trying to plan, but also just to encourage you to just hang with it, you know, stay with it, stay connected, uh, be creative in the way you connect with each other. Old school, call each other on the phone, text each other, you know, go for walks, um, hang out with each other however you can through Zoom. Uh, you know, we, we need to still be the church. One thing that I've realized during this time is that nothing can stop us from being the church of Jesus. Nothing. Uh, there's absolutely nothing that can... Now, something could stop us, like the government could stop us from gathering together, as happens in some places in the world, Um, There could be persecution, there could be all different kinds of reasons, pandemics that could prevent us from coming together as a big group. But how creative Christians have been through the years to meet, even in the first century, meeting in catacombs and meeting in quiet places and some of the underground church meeting in secret places, not in big groups. Um, in small you know, small groups of maybe three or four, or six or seven. So the church has always been creative. God has always enabled us to do it. And nothing can, nothing can stop us from being the church. We are God's people, and we are called to be salt and light. And so we have to continue to do that no matter what this year looks like. Now I'm hoping for a great year. <laughs> I feel like, uh just remember the 2020, like 2019 was just such a tough year. It's like, oh yeah, a new year, 2020. <laughs> um, and it you know, didn't quite go the way we were expecting it to go. And then even coming into 2021, like this is gonna be a better year. <laughs> and then I don't know if it was necessarily better than 2020, Uh, I think there was a lot of weariness and a lot of, uh, just a lot of struggle, a lot of sickness. So coming into this year, I'm a little cautious, (laughs) (laughs) trying to be like, yeah, it's going to be the best year ever, but um, who knows, who knows what is in front of us, but the good news is God is with us. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble, and we have to just keep, keep pushing on. We have to trust that he knows what he 's doing he 's sovereign, all things work together for good uh, for those who love him, and we love him, and so we know he 's at work he 's doing things i 've tried to figure out what he's what are the purposes of god in this in this pandemic that 's affecting the planet you know what is what does god do i don 't know exactly i mean I've, I have thoughts we can study history we can uh, kind of uh, study the redemptive judgments of God and, and try to understand what, you know, what God is up to. And that's, you know, that's, a, that's a good thing to do, but there's some mystery to it. Uh, but we just, in the midst of it, what else can we do but just surrender to God and say, Lord, I just continue to do what you want to do. Shape us, change us, uh, do your work in us, uh, make us your people. Make us pleasing to you. We want to honor you. What else can we do but continue to 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 do that? Um, let's press in during this season. You know, life. Everybody complains. Uh, it seems like that life is so busy, and and it is, and it is, but. You know, it's interesting how the the pandemic has given us such a a luxury to slow down. Many of us have been able to work from home. Not everyone, but a lot of us have uh, just, you know, haven't been able to do what we normally do in terms of the pace of life. I mean, for us, you know, COVID went through our house over Christmas. uh, So we got we got kind of shut in. We were we were getting ready for like super busy Um, Christmas. You know, we were going to travel to the four of us. We're going to travel to Western Mass and see Tiffany's mom and see my family and my brothers and, you know, have a day of activities and stay overnight and do it. Just, you know, we had so many things planned. And my youngest, or my oldest daughter tested positive and we were like, oh, okay. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) We're just hanging out for Christmas. And You know, we were disappointed, of course, but it was actually kind of nice, too. Uh, We were able to read and just, you know, talk with each other and spend a lot of time in prayer. So whatever comes this year, let's have a mindset of flexibility and rolling with it and just letting God do what God wants to do in us. Amen? Amen? Amen. That was a bonus word for you, but that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, well, actually, let me say this first. After much thought, I decided to uh, put off until February my series on, I'm calling Paradigm Shift, which is going to be just casting vision for 2022. As I said, I've been having a hard time planning Uh, So I thought, well, maybe just let's wait a month before we get into that and even let people hopefully by February kind of be less scattered. And I know people are stuck in different places because flights got canceled or so many people are sick. Uh, So maybe we'll be a little less scattered, maybe not by February. We'll see. But I'm going to put it off till February. And so I'm going to start a series today called Rhythms, where we're looking at... um, just different habits of our life uh, just kind of push you into motion for this new year in a, on a good trajectory of spiritual habits. Like I'm going to talk today about communicating with God. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about studying the scriptures, how we can do that. The next week, reading spiritual books, uh, super important. And there's ways to do that. If you're not a great reader, we can listen to books as well. Uh, Fourth week, there's five weeks in January, I'm going to talk about fasting and feasting and how both are very important for our spiritual life. And then the last week in January, I'm going to talk about practicing solitude, practicing solitude. So today I want to talk about communicating with God. Uh, Nothing is more important in our relationship with God than just, you know, being close to him. You know, we're, we're not just, um, you know, called to do stuff for God. We're not just called to be on mission. Uh, that's part of it. But we're called to know God. All fruitful ministry to people flows out of our relationship with God. Um, So this is an excellent place to start in this new year, you know, especially before we plunge into all the mission initiatives that we're dreaming about. Um, So it's clear if you if you just kind of read through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Psalms, uh, all the epistles, just just casually reading through the Bible. It is so clear that we exist for the purpose of knowing God and enjoying God. That's, that's why he, he made us. That's why we're here. Um, so we want to be, be good at that. We want to be about that every day of our lives. Now, close relationships in general are marked by, we, I think we all know this, marked by openness honesty. I mean, think about your closest relationships. Maybe it's your spouse or a best friend or your mom or whatever. Um, but it's, it's kind of marked by this honesty, this comfor- comfortableness in each other's presence. Uh, it's marked by frequent communication as well. Um, I was thinking of using the word conversation, that that's what we're aiming for with God. But it's actually a little, it's a little deeper than just conversation because conversation is limited to words, right? Communication goes beyond words at times. It can happen through facial expressions or body language, uh, pictures, sign language, sighs, groans. Have you ever um, had your you know, friend just roll their eyes? And you knew what they meant. You know, when you said something, they, a lot of communication happens just through motion, even through our silence um, or just the look on our face. So our creator invites us to experience him in a depth of two-way communication. Let's take that in. It's pretty awesome. The Creator invites us into this deep communication with Him, where we're pouring out to God and He is making His thoughts known to us. We're embracing Him in a sense, and He's embracing us. There's an exchange. It's just awesome. And it will go on for eternity. Uh, the wonderland of just knowing God for trillions and trillions of years, we can only imagine. So over the years, <clears throat> I've observed that most Christians are very aware that the practice of prayer is, you know, it's an important thing. Uh, regardless of what theological camp you come from, what background you come from uh, in, in, in in the Christian movements. I think we all understand that prayer is really important. I mean it comes up in scripture so much. Like Colossians 4 says devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, the disciples of Jesus, right, went to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, We see this in the life of Jesus, that he often departed to solitary places to be alone with the Father and to talk to God. We see this in the life of all the great uh, men and women in the Bible, Moses, David, um, the Apostle Paul emphasized prayer so much, right through church history, um, so many great men and women of prayer. So I think most Christians don't need to be taught that they you know, that they should pray. I don't think we need another message on, you should pray in 2022. I think we all kind of know that, but what we struggle with is actually making it happen. You know, it's the, it's the how. It's the, ah, these obstacles that get in our way. Um, how do we remove these obstacles and, and get some traction in prayer? And so that's what I want to talk about today. So despite knowing the importance of prayer, uh, few would testify that they have a deep life of prayer. You know, why, why is that? You know, I've thought about one of the, I can't remember when we started doing this, but one of the questions on our uh, core membership form that people fill out to share their story, tell us a little bit about themselves. One of the questions I think is... Uh, Describe your prayer life or something like that. And I've just been struck through the years of how many people struggle with that. It just seems like, um, you know, I should pray more, but I don't. I want to have a deeper prayer life, but, you know, I I don't. I'm so busy. And just all these confessions come out, uh, which I love, you know, the honesty, of course, uh, of that. But it's also kind of just heartbreaking that so many Christians feel like they're just failing in, actually, in the very thing that they exist for, right? Is Which is this communication with, with God. They feel guilty. They feel um, sort of a chasm between what they should be in prayer and, and what they are. And I just think that we, do, we don't, there's always, we're always going to fall short, right? But I, I think that, I just want to say that there, there's, we, we shouldn't have to have that testimony that like the head goes down and like, eh, not a good, not good at prayer. Like we're all designed by God to be good at knowing him. Um, There's none of us that are just, well, you just weren't born uh, to be good. No, we're all destined for this. You know, we're all, this is where we're going, you know. This is where it's just going to get better and better uh, as we get closer and closer to meeting God. And again, throughout eternity, this is what we're going to, this is what we are. This is what we are born to be is, you know, creatures who know and enjoy God. So, yeah. I just want to say that. You don't, that doesn't have to be your testimony that um, you, know, you feel guilty about your prayer life. So we're going to try to remove some of these obstacles today. Here's some of the classic ones. I could probably list so many, but uh, feeling unwelcome, just a crowded mind, the problem of a crowded mind, uh, theological knots that we get ourselves into that restrict us. Um, being uh, kind of uh, held back by forms or having just a certain idea of how prayer is supposed to look and having a tough time fitting into that. Just want to try to free you up in those ways. Uh, the problem of small desire. Uh, that is a big problem for many. And lastly, disordered affections. And I'm just going to touch on each of these in the next, whatever, 20 minutes or so. So this first one, feeling unwelcome. Feeling unwelcome. If I had to choose one obstacle to deem as the mother of all obstacles, it is this. Condemnation. It's been my personal enemy, you know, for 33 years of walking with Jesus. It just never leaves me alone. Uh, It happens in the mind and in the emotions. It's thinking and feeling that the Lord God is not warmly welcoming us. Uh, We feel feel almost unwanted by God. Uh, We wonder if he even likes us. We believe that our particular character flaws or sins have uh, disqualified us from being invited to draw near to God. This is Satan's greatest weapon against us. He's a liar, the Bible says. He is uh, portrayed as the accuser of the church in the book of Revelation. He heaps condemnation on our prayer life like a wet blanket, extinguishing a fire. So to understand how this works, I think it, it can help to think about human relationships. Okay, We've all probably had a person in our lives, you know, maybe a coach, a relative, a teacher, a boss, that we felt for one reason or another that they didn't uh, like us. Um, Or maybe we attended a social gathering and got a vibe from the host that made us feel unwelcome. Now, sometimes we just, it's our insecurity and they're not giving that vibe. They just were stressed out or whatever. But, you know, so that's a whole another thing. But what is our natural reaction when we believe someone isn't interested in us? We, We kind of shrink back. Right? We, we get, um, I mean, maybe some of you are just pushed past it and you're gonna show that person how awesome you are. <laughs> you know, but I think most of us, you know, we, we just kind of avoid maybe that person. Um, we, we're guarded, we're cautious. You know, if we have to be in the same room with them, it, you know, we, we're okay with that, we tolerate that, but we're, we're kind of glad when, when it's over, right? Uh, that's just. I think that's a human thing, um, and so this exact thing can happen in our relationship with God when we fall under the delusion that God is not interested in us, or that God is tired of us. Um, we we kind of shut down emotionally. We we become like Adam and Eve. You know, we sort of hide. From God, that's like such a heartbreaking beginning of the Bible, right? You know, Adam and Eve has this great relationship with God, and then they sin, and this picture of God saying, "Adam, where are you?" You know, He's just like coming to them. Why was God coming to, uh, you know, to, to beat them up? You know, to scold them? To yeah, he was going to call them out on things, but he was coming to restore. You know, God, God always comes to, you know, to to heal us, and they're just terrified and hiding, and even separated from one another. Um, It's it's a sad, pathetic picture in Genesis three. So it is, you know, maybe another whole sermon, but it is possible, of course, to live in such a way that we evoke the displeasure of God. We know that. If we read the Bible, we we see examples of God unleashing his uh, judgments on his people. And like after David sinned, the Bible says, the thing that David did greatly displeased the Lord. So we know that that's a thing. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. But when we are honest about our sins and humbly come to God, he receives us. We need to understand that. I mean, the whole reason Jesus came was because we're broken, sinful people. That's why he came to shed his blood on the cross so that we can be forgiven. First John 2 says, if any sin, we have an advocate. Jesus, the righteous one. Um, but we forget that and Satan helps us to forget that. But even in the case of the backslidden, lukewarm Christians that we can read about in the book of Revelation, right? Chapter three, the Laodiceans, Jesus describes them as poor, pitiful, blind, wretched and naked. But how do we see Jesus? Jesus. He's knocking at the door, wanting to come in and dine with them, which was really an expression of wanting to be intimate with them. The Lord God loves his children, even his wayward children. I mean, Jesus gave us a parable about that, that, you know, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one who has gone astray. That's what a good shepherd does, and Jesus is the good shepherd. And this is why we're called repeatedly in Scripture, beloved. We are loved by God. And we struggle to understand this um, because we come from maybe broken homes. We come from uh, maybe all kinds of different broken, dysfunctional relationships, abusive relationships. It's hard to even grasp what the Scriptures reveal about the Father's love. I mean, some of us have been fortunate enough to have um, a person in our life, maybe a father, maybe a mother, maybe a, just a, an aunt, a grandmother, who has shown unconditional love. Not everybody gets that, um, you know a lot of us have just been very disappointed very hurt by people and so we struggle to grasp this this love of god that's so different he's so different than any human being on the place of the earth on the face of the earth well the father burns with affection for us he, his arms are wide open first john 3:1 this is in the message bible it gives a nice uh, paraphrase to it. It says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. That's who we really are. The best way to fight condemnation is to steep in the scriptures. Oh, to just wear out certain portions of the Bible, like Psalm 103. Or maybe Psalm 23, so many good psalms that you could feast on. Or uh, Zephaniah 3, where you know that picture of God just rejoicing over his people, singing songs of love over them. Or John 13, where Jesus uh, washes the feet of the disciples. Or John 17, where Jesus talks about his love for us, similar to the love between the Father and Christ. Uh, That's just mind-blowing when you think about it. And so many other verses. But steep in those and and wear those out. Memorize them. Get them deep into your heart. And secondly, find spiritual fathers and mothers and just just be around them. I I don't know how else to say it. Um, You know, one of my mentors, uh, is Nick Fattato, I mentioned once in a while, and his wife Gina. They're just so fun to be around. We sometimes don't have like a a real much of an agenda. When we get together, we just kind of spend time with them. But there's just something about being around them that reminds me of how good and kind and tender God is. They just take so much interest in, in our lives. Um, so find, find spiritual fathers and mothers. Sometimes we're like, I just want to hang out with people my age. That's, I get it, you know, because they have a lot of things in common, right, uh, with us. But it's good to find people who are 10, 20, 30 years older, 40 years older than you and just be around them. It'll, it'll change you. The fragrance of who God is uh, will just kind of get into you. It's it's so good. Well, let me get to this uh, next one, crowded mind, the problem of the crowded mind. It's hard to do anything that requires concentration when our mind is crowded, right? You know, have you ever tried to take a test in school and your mind is like all over the place? Or even watch a movie, sometimes... You know, my, my wife is like, did you catch what's going on? And I was like, I was not even, I'm not even, I was somewhere else the last five minutes, <laughs> you know, because I'm just thinking about other things or to, even to try to read a book. Sometimes I, you know, try to read a book and I'm, you know, I can't get past the first page because, you know, my mind is like a, you know, a, uh, you know what is it called? The, uh, what is that thing? The old school pinball thank you yeah like a pinball machine you know all the thoughts going all over the place uh, maybe that's just me but uh, sometimes I'll just forget it I'm not reading a book right now because I, I'm not getting anywhere I'm not making any progress and this is exactly what can happen with our efforts to to communicate with with God At times, right? We, you know, we're saying words with our lips, but our mind—we're thinking about Absara crispy chicken wings, (laughs) or an episode of The Crown that we just watched, or you know, just all the stuff we have to do on Saturday, or just a million other things. Just so many things that happen, uh, you know, up here in our minds. And usually, if this is what's happening in our prayer time, we, we just were like, okay, I'm not doing this right now. I'm going to go get a snack and just do something else. I'm going to go think. I'm going to go for a walk or whatever because it doesn't feel productive. Now, we, the reality is, especially in kind of an urban setting, we, we do squeeze a lot in every week every day, right? We have a lot of responsibilities. It seems like we're always, especially if, in your, if you're in your 20s, seems like we're always in process of making decisions, like really important decisions. So it's like on our minds constantly. Our mind swirls with fears and anxieties. Uh, we rehearse things that people said to us and try to, racking our brains to decipher what they actually meant Maybe that's just me, but a lot happens from morning till night in the mind. And there's no way to shut off the mind, right? Even in sleep, our minds are active. But what, can, but what we can do is slow things down to bring some order to the interior life. By the way, one of the best books you can read about the interior life is a book called "Ordering Your Private World" by Gordon McDonald. He used to be a pastor up in the up in the Boston area. Um, just a great author. He's written many books. That that one book is that was a book I read in my internship year uh, before I did campus ministry. So so good. But we can limit the amount of mentally simulating things we expose ourselves to, right? We can go for a walk instead of scrolling on social media for an hour. Or we can listen to peaceful music, maybe instrumental, instead of watching crazy YouTube videos. Um, We can quiet our minds in solitude instead of going to another social event. Again, we can't shut down the mind, but we can can partially manage it. Uh, We can sort of slow down or or bring some order to the influx of thoughts. I remember as a teen, just to give you a mental picture, uh, going to these concerts where there was general admission seating. I remember one that was in Saratoga Springs, a Grateful Dead concert. There was an outdoor... I mean, they opened the doors. People just stormed, ran, because you wanted to get as close to the stage as possible, and people were just not even going through the doors. People that didn't have tickets were jumping over the wall. Uh, Cops on horses were just... It's a whole thing, <laughs> but it was like craziness. Sometimes I feel like that's what's going on in, in our minds. There's just this bombardment of thought. Another metaphor for the mind is a garden. In order for gardens to grow lush, they must be tended to. Uh, we can't let passersby you know throw their trash on our garden you know, especially toxic things we can't let weedy vines grow that will choke the plants and the flowers uh, we might have to put up a wall around the garden to you know kind of keep out some of the animals who would come to eat or vandalize and good things must be applied to the garden as well, like sunlight and water. Certain things must be kept out. Certain things must be put in. Uh, So for our minds, keep out sin and useless clutter and put in the word of God. Uh, I mean, that's overly simplistic, but that's a good starting point right there. One way to uh, manage your mental overload is by writing your thoughts down. I don't mean typing your thoughts at like 160 words a minute, but I mean just old-fashioned handwriting that takes time. It enables you to slow down, and tend to one thought at a time. Some people, I don't not really uh, Into this, but some people like to to write poems, which I think is, or songs. I know Kevin is a songwriter. That really slows you down because you're not, you know, you're not even writing fast. You're just you're you're really thoughtfully selecting each word, each phrase. Another way to slow down your thoughts is to do something creative, like play music or paint or sew. Or cook, or whatever. Um, I find that when I engage in in creative things, and you don't have to be necessarily outstandingly creative. I'm not. It can be just something that's kind of crafty, or could be working with wood or whatever. Maybe it's not necessarily creative, but you're just maybe you're painting by numbers or something. But just you know, whatever it is, coloring. Um, sometimes those. Creative things cause the, the raging waves of mental activity to subside and help us to get more in the, the present moment. Do you know what I mean by the present moment? Are you fully present right now? <laughs> or is your mind, can you feel the mind going, oh, I'm hungry. What am I gonna do tonight? Tomorrow? I gotta work. I gotta get that thing done. It's just constant, right? All these things that try to pull. It's hard to be present in the moment. We have to cultivate that. We have to learn that skill. Physical recreation, I think, can can have this effect as well. Um, It seems to pull us away from the crowded room we are in, uh, mentally speaking, and takes us for a kind of a peaceful ride out in the open fields. And that could be actually sort of literal, too. I also think it's worth saying that just, you know, we have to just realize in this generation how much visual information is coming at us or is accessible to us through TV shows and movies, and social media, images, and videos, and billboards, and signs, and magazines, and just in the course of a day. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was like a little, uh, I don't know, some kind of measuring device that at the end of the day would calculate how many images you saw in the course of one day? Um, You know, they say a picture is worth a 1,000 words, right? That's kind of intense. Right? When you think about it, just when you're scrolling social media, for example, and you see a picture, and so much is happening when you see one single picture, or if you're looking at one piece of art in a museum or whatever it may be, uh, one single picture, there's it puts your mind into action to process and kind of connect that picture with different things in your mind. There's a lot going on. My point is like, I don't know if we can handle this much stimulation every single day. It's like there's no space for processing. I think I, in one of my writings, I was using the illustration of being in an art museum and how we... Sometimes, I know, like when we were, we were in Italy uh, a few years ago, we were going through these incredible art museums and seeing like thousands of pieces of art in like three hours. It was just complete overload. Like I, I would have been, it would have been better if we just went and they had like three pieces for us to look at and, and think about. Because you can't, even, you can't even take it all in. You can't even begin to. So, you know, I just think that it's just something to be aware of. I mean, it is what it is. This is the generation we live in. Um, but we have some choices, too. Just put some limitations on how much image stimulation you you give yourself. Another obstacle is theological knots. Um, we won't get too deep into this, but what I mean is... That we can, you know, we learn things like, uh, you know, God is sovereign, he controls all things, he gets what, you know, God gets what God wants, right? We've heard that phrase. Um, God does everything according to his pleasure. So why even bother praying then? If we, if God's going to do what God's going to do, it's confusing, right? You know, we can get into these theological conundrums uh, they're paradoxes, right? You know, because the Bible says things like the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much; they make a difference. All right, <laughs> but then it says things like, you know, God is in control, God is sovereign. So we 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 can we can almost get tied up theologically and become unmotivated by the way we think. But the point of prayer, and that's a whole other sermon. But the point of prayer is not Purely transactional. And this is what I want to press. It's not like a vending machine where we drop four coins in and, you know, out comes a Milky Way bar. It's not, that's not why we pray, just to get stuff from God. The purpose of prayer is not to obtain something from the Lord. Now, yes, we do obtain things from the Lord. And, you know, we can ask, we're invited to ask uh, of God different things. He loves when we ask um, things from him but that's not the primary thing about our relationship with God i mean imagine if the only time you hung out with your dad or your friend or your spouse was because you know you wanted to communicate something that you needed from them now, it's okay to communicate things that we need from our friends or our spouse or whatever, or our father or mother, but that's not, hopefully, that's not the primary thing. Uh, that wouldn't be much of a relationship at all. The purpose of spending time with God in prayer is to, is to just get to know Him, to enjoy Him, to hear His voice. Uh, I mean, isn't that the best kind of relationship with people as well? Just people that we, it's not all business. It's not like, all right, what do you want? You know, what do you want? You got 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> Give it to me. Maybe I've done that to some of you guys. Sorry. Um, sometimes I can, I can be like that. But, you know, what is it with the best kind of relationships are people we can just hang out with and just be with? And I think that's how We want our relationship with God to be kind of like kids hanging out around the fire in a living room with dad, just kind of there, just kind of there together. Again, that fully present with God. All right, I'm going too slow. I'm going to pick pick up the pace a little bit. Restricted by forms. Let's talk about this. Um, Practical This is kind of practical. Most people, including most Christians, uh, think of praying to God as something we do in a particular posture, maybe, kneeling or prostrate on the ground, uh, and then addressing the creator with careful words. Parents teach kids to do this, you know, by the bedside at night, say your prayers. Uh, Catholics do it in the pew when they kneel down and recite a prayer. I did that for many years growing up. Uh, Many people say a short prayer of thanks before a meal, you know, but we think of prayer as kind of a designated activity, you know, this thing that has a start and a finish, you know, a 30-second, one-minute, two-minute, 30-minute thing that we do, you know, it's like brushing our teeth, it has a start and a finish, and it's good to make prayer a designated activity as part of your day, that's not a bad thing, seems like Jesus did that maybe a block of time in the morning, but I want you to think about it as much more than just, you know, prayer is 7 to 8 in the morning. You know, I think prayer gets a bad rap. It just gets like, it's like one of the, one of many things that we should do as Christians, you know, prayer and tithe and, I don't know, serve your neighbor and just, you know, all these different things that we feel like we're supposed to do with the Bible calls us to do. But prayer really is the essence of our existence. You know, it's, it's, our, it's that communication with God. It's our relationship with God. So God is with us all day. I know you know that, but I'm just reminding us of that. He walks with us. He's ever-present with us. If I spent morning till night, let's say, with one of my daughters, they would... Probably talk to me all day long. Um, They might fall asleep in the car if we were going on a road trip, maybe for 20 minutes. They might be silent as we're walking through a field or maybe listening to a song or something. We wouldn't talk like every second. And we certainly wouldn't be both talking at the same time. But there would be an ebb and flow, right, of exchanging thoughts between us words between us sometimes they'd be talking sometimes i'd be talking sometimes neither of us would be talking let your relationship with god be like that from morning till night just recognize that he's he's with you you don't leave him in the prayer closet <laughs> Jesus doesn't live in the prayer closet. You know, he's like confined there and you've got to go see what he's doing (laughs) in the closet. And then we, you know, say goodbye to him and tell, see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. And then we go out into the world. It doesn't work. He's with us all the time. And I also want to add that we don't have to pray out loud. Now, some like to pray out loud. And I think that's good because it kind of keeps you focused. And I, I get that. Um, we're all different how, how much we prefer to talk, I think, right? Some of us love talking. We're designed by God to talk a lot. We talked a lot as children, giving a running commentary on everything and everyone. Some of you are like that, and that's it's funny. You know, it's cute when kids do that. It's not cute when you're adults. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, you know, we're all different like that. Um, Others are more quiet souls and find talking to be kind of draining. But here's here's the beautiful thing I I just want to share with you. God hears our thoughts. We can offer a faint whisper in our minds, and he catches it. I I personally have a hard time uh, praying inside my mind coherently. Again, maybe because it's the pinball machine dynamic happening, but, you know, my sentences get a bit fragmented, random thoughts become, like, loud commercial interruptions, or I just fall asleep or just drift into some daydream or whatever. For me, writing prayers is best in, in my quietness. There's a sense when I write that God is reading every word that comes off the pen, even anticipating he knows what we write or say before we even get it out. Um, I used to think God, I, seriously, this is not a joke, I used to think God preferred that we would yell our prayers intensely and earnestly out to him, uh, but he definitely let me know that He, he, he he's not deaf and <laughs> don't, we don't have to do that. <laughs> that was like really... Good news, like, discovering that. It's like, oh, okay. Because it's tiring. Have you ever really done that? <laughs> okay, in my early, you know, wild Pentecostal, that's just how we were taught to pray, you know? You just pace before, pace back and forth, and you just scream, you know? You cry out to God. And there is a, definitely a time for that, of course. But I was just under the impression, that this is what you got to do, you know? And it's like, my gosh, doing that for 15 minutes is exhausting. All right, let's get to a little deeper thing here. Sometimes we don't like to pray because we just don't want to. We have no desire, small desire. Um, there's a lot of things in life that have a dulling effect on our prayers. Uh, we could list many, like fatigue, for example, uh, resentment toward a person's stress, uh, just too much. TV, too much media, too many images, all these things can kind of dull our desire for God. Um, How do we get out of that? How do we increase our desire for God? I would suggest feeding on content that will put a fire in your bones. Uh, Maybe fiery sermons, old school sermons. You know, you kind of, if you're really asleep and dull spiritually, uh, you need you don't need a poem. You need somebody to bang a gong. Like you kind of need that fire. And God has provided praise His name. He has provided people in the body of Christ. Uh, some are dead. Uh, some are still alive, but we can find the, that content out there. I mean, a Charles Spurgeon sermon on prayer or something is gonna just the way he wrote would put such a fire in your in your bones. Look for that kind of content. Sometimes Francis Chan just has those kinds of sermons where he's in rare form and he's just like stirring. Uh, the The people of God, or John Piper, or if you want to go old school, Leonard Ravenhill. Some of his prayers or some of his uh, sermons, where he preaches for an hour and a half and he breaks down in tears. You know, at certain points, it's like it just kind of gets inside of you. Sometimes you just need that fire. Um, there's a, a website called Sermon Index that has a lot of those old school. Uh, sermons. So good. There's a sermon by Jim Simbola. I forgot the name of it. I think it's, I think it might be called House of Prayer, where he is speaking to the general council of the Assemblies of God, which is basically all the Assemblies of God ministers, you know, on the planet are invited to this one thing, and he is just in rare form just preaching this provoking, powerful message about prayer. These kinds of things, these are gifts to us as the people of God. Take advantage of them. If you're dry, man, find content that works like lighter fluid. Have you ever been out in the fire pit and trying, this thing ain't going anywhere. I can't get this thing off the ground. Lighter fluid. It works. Um, Not too much. (laughs) But we know what to do if our... Spiritual desire is like, uh, you know, a candle barely going, or it's like a fire pit that can't. What do we need to do? We need to uh, tend to it, right? We need to stoke it. We need to feed it. We need to pay attention to it to get that fire, to get that fire going. And this is exactly how spiritual fire works, um, I mean, sometimes, just to be honest, when we don't have much of a spiritual desire, what do we do? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Right? Because it's just, I'm not feeling it. You know, we don't feel like praying, we don't feel any desire for God. I feel a much bigger desire for God to go uh, in the kitchen and make. Some food, or I feel a bigger desire to do whatever, hobby or just different thing. Not that hobbies are bad, but you know what I'm saying? We just, our desire for a million other things seems greater than our desire for God. And so we don't spend time with, with God. Um, that's, that's kind of a dangerous thing because if we keep doing that, our desire for God is going to get less and less and less. We got to pay attention. To the fire. We gotta stoke that thing. We gotta get that thing going. So focus on it. Ultimately, there's really no shortcut to get from a dull, flickering flame desire to a raging inferno desire. Um, it just, it, you have to cultivate it. And my last thought will be this, um, and it's a short one disordered affection. Each of these could really be their own sermons. If having a deep prayer life, I don't want you to miss this last point though because I feel like it's probably the most important of all of them. If having a deep prayer life doesn't make our top 20 goals for 2022, we can be sure it will not happen. If having a strong prayer life is alongside our list of other things we should probably do, This year, like eat more vegetables, go to the gym, read a book a month, practice that musical instrument, learn Chinese, or whatever we have on our list of goals, it's never going to get off the ground. Because it's not the kind of thing that we can succeed at with minimal effort, it takes the whole heart. The obstacles are just too numerous to overcome. The forces of darkness are too relentless for us to have a strong prayer life if we treat it as just, you know, a side interest. You know, oh, Pastor Scott preached on, you know, communication with God on a prayer. I'm like, yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be good. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe put a little effort into that this year. You know, if I have some spare time, you know, when I can possibly, you know, maybe do it. It's, it'll never happen. It that's not how it's going to work. It must be the supreme passion of our lives. First, the one thing above all things, knowing God. I've noticed something through the years that when I've allowed things, other things, to take precedence over knowing God... I'm not even talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about things, just affections. Uh, Life then feels like a trek. My spiritual life feels like a trek up up a slippery hill. I just, I can't get traction. And this is a spiritual principle. Everything is hard. Reading the Bible is hard. Fasting is hard. Everything, even going to church and worshiping and focusing on the songs, focusing on the sermon is hard. <laughs> even if I, when I'm in that place, even if I pray and read the Bible and you know, sort of do all the things, my flame remains a flicker. If my relationship with God in my heart is seventh place or fifth place, or even second place. I cannot seem to get my prayer life off the ground and into the air. Oh, I can do it as a duty. Check, you know, I did it. I did my little prayer time. But it's not flying. Prayer needs to fly. You know, our relationship with God needs to be deep. It needs to be invigorating. It needs to be something that is like the the very Breath in our lungs. So it's a good starting point to confess, Lord, I want you to be first. I want knowing you to be my supreme desire. It may not be in this particular moment, okay? And that, that, that's okay. But we have to start by wanting it recognizing, Lord, I've been just affectionate about a lot of other things more than I've been affectionate for you. But you're the pearl of great price. All things in this life pale in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Uh, So, you know, just to set your heart and say, Lord, I will not rest until... You are supreme in my heart. The affection of my heart burns for you. Set your heart in that direction. And you'll find a lot of these other things fall into place, honestly. I think that's what Jesus meant. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And all these other things will kind of fall into place. I mean, he was talking about provision. But I think there, there's a principle that put, put him first, Make him your treasure, and your spiritual life will have a natural traction to it. Amen? Amen. So many more things I want to share, but um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We're going to end with a song or two or whatever. What do you got, one or two? One. One. So let's uh, stand together. Kevin's going to come up and lead us. Thanks for listening this morning. Hope this was helpful.